Uh, kicking off part two of this week's defining track with Charles Mars is uh, Richard and Linda Thompson with Dimming of the Day. What's the significance of this song for you, Charles? This is a beautiful song. Not many people know it. Um, or if they do, they might know the Bonnie Raitt version. But my dad um, raised us and he's a bit of a folk hippie. He loved the folk scene. We would cycle around the countryside and camp out at these festivals with old sort of folk rock heads playing at them. And Richard and Linda Thompson were always a feature of that, um, along with a band called Fairport Convention. But this song, I remember my dad being moved by it. And I heard it when I was a little boy and I said, Dad, I hate your music. And he said, one day, son, you'll understand. And... Um, and then I, I listened to it, it maybe, I don't know, in my thirties or something and it resonated and it moved me and I could hear and I could be, I could feel my dad then when I was little and he was working stuff out, single dad, all that. And this, 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 the album that it came from, in fact, every track on it, it moved him and the, it, it moves me. So how, how old were you when you came to faith? Well, so again, looking back, it's easier, isn't it? At the time, no faith, faith wasn't important, but I sort of knew that I wasn't alone. Mm. I had a deep sense that I wasn't alone, that there was something more, but I was never prepared to name it. I was 20, well, I was about 13, actually, when I had an apple fight after scrumping a load of fruit from people's gardens with friends on a Sunday morning. We had an apple fight in the Mr. Rimmer's churchyard, 12th century little church in Marston Village, and I lobbed this cracking apple of this guy it was meant to smash off the gravestone he was hiding behind but it it sort of skited off and it went through an ancient like medieval pane of glass and showered a bunch of old ladies that were worshiping we didn't know that the minister come running out and then we were on our bicycle so we were off and i thought right you're away and i looked sort of up at the sky and i thought yeah i'm away and then i felt i felt as if a voice was saying to me yeah you're away you're gone but i've seen you and you know i've seen you and I felt as that that was my probably my first conscious encounter with something that I felt was uh, beyond me, bigger than me. Anyway, so I went back and everyone was like, why did you come back? Why did you come back? And of course, he got my dad's address. But my dad was furious, of course, <laughs> ashamed. But he was able to fix the window because he's brilliant. And he ended up with a good friendship with Reverend Rimmer. So that went well. Other than that, Faith came at when I was 25, maybe 25 or 26. I basically had spent a lot of time being a good time guy until it wasn't a good time anymore. You know, I went in the restaurant trade and um, I parted hard, predatory on the nightclubs and bars, finding company for an evening. And then stuff came my way, whether it was booze, drink, whether it was um, smoke, ganja, marijuana, cocaine, speed, things like that. Recreational substances would just come my way because I, I became a, one of these guys that wanted to be a face around town, get into every bar free, get into every club free, never pay for a drink. It was very much that kind of life. Anyway, I ended up losing it quite spectacularly. Mm. Ended up homeless in Bristol for a short time. And then, um, yeah, and I had an encounter with God and then an encounter with um, a Christian fella called Jason and, and came to faith. Wow. Wow, what what a story! That's that's incredible. So was um, I mean, every time I ask this question, people go, "I don't want to mention too many because there's so many people." But who were the influential people in your journey? You mentioned there Jason, but is there any others that have had a really big impact on you? Yeah, um, but the problem with that, of course, is that it's 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 a ama- there are millions of people, witting or unwitting servants of God's plan. Mm. 
I mean, first and foremost, my dad, my grandfather, Eddie, he was deaf, five foot two. I'm much taller than that. He rode a bicycle all his life. Um, he was massively important, but again, no faith, no, no conscious decision-making of faith there. But in terms of my journey towards, as I came closer to God, because I had this moment where I'd lost my, lost my stash of drugs, and I knew I was losing it and I was getting desperate. I turned the flap upside down and I said, I cried out, God, if you're real, you need to, you need to help me now. If you're real, you know, I need it, you know, come. And I've heard this voice say to me, I know you better than you know yourself. And my heart's response was with no scripture, no church background or anything. My heart's response to that was, then I want to know you like you know me. Wow. And that's been a pursuit ever since. So I then came into contact with, I was estranged from my mum, but I got in contact with her and um, turned out she had been baptised um, and we were able to talk and that was a massive moment. And then I thought I'd smoke my way through um, smoking weed. I thought I'd smoke myself to a closer union with God, which was possibly a mistake. Didn't go so well. Mm. But through that, I would people just kept coming my way. I'd be working in a restaurant and a girl would start a waitress. She'd say, oh, my family are missionaries and I'm a Christian. And then a woman would move up in the upstairs from me in the homeless place I was in. And she was a former Anglican nun. So the, the story goes on. There are constantly people that the Lord, once you start looking for the sign of God in your life, he, he, he appears in the guise of who knows what, a song, a word, a book, a radio show like yours, uh, a person. You just, you just need to be attentive and, and, people came but jason was a guy i was in a bar and he was getting smooth on this girl who i told you it was a christian in the in, she was a waitress and he was being really smooth and he said one day i heard him here yeah, pascal i was baptized the other day and i thought gosh what a line wow you're a player man like <laughs> swanning around in this fancy restaurant bar and um and anyway, I was in this homeless accommodation, this flat that was a blessing to me now, I see. And I thought, how am I going to make some money? I thought I'd do some extra work. I, if I'm going to do extra work for the BBC, I need a, a card which has my photo and stats on it. Who am I going to get to do the photos? Ah, that smooth guy, Jason's a photographer. I'll chin him for some shots. So we meet on the steps of this very cool place in the center of the student quarter in Bristol. And as I sat down to meet him on this sunny day, I felt the Lord speak and say, he's going to want to talk to you about God issues. So I sat down and Jason says to me, straight out of his mouth, Charlie, I don't know how this is going to play with you, but I really feel like the Lord wants me to talk to you about him. I said, I know, and you better bring it now because I'm ready for this. And I'd spent that three years trying to smoke myself closer to God. I'd done a lot of thinking. I'd done a lot of heart preparation. I'd read a great deal. I was immersed in my topic. I just hadn't understood the significance of the Lordship of Jesus in all that. And it was Jason. So we got talking and then he said, to, and then I felt this voice again. I felt the Lord say to me, he's going to ask you to go to church. Next thing Jason says, Charlie, this may be really uncomfortable for you. It's uncomfortable for me, but I'm going to go to church tonight. Do you want to come? I said, I, I knew you were going to ask me that. Yes, I'm coming. He went, what? So he, he, he picked me up from this place I was staying. And he took me to this scheme on the outskirts of Bristol, Mankey Street, the Mankiest Street on the Mankiest Scheme. <laughs> I said, Jason, what we, man, what are we doing here? And out come these people 
flooding out of this house on this street, um, Kildare Road. And they're all smiling like mad people. And he says, we do church here. It's in this house. I was like, no way. So flaky and so weird. It's like, right, okay, let's go. And I walked in and I thought I'd seen all these people before. I said, I've seen you all before. You've all been on telly or something. And they were like, praise the Lord. <laughs> the Lord is with you, brother. And laughing about that and saying, it's the, the Lord is. Anyway, so I was hit with this version of a gospel that night. Do you choose to be an enemy of God? Not by choice, really, but by association to Adam. Or do you want to be reconciled to your God? I was like, duh, I want to be reconciled. I've spent three years working this out, yeah. at least three. If you go back to the apple fight in the churchyard, a long time before that. But um, they were like, hallelujah. And they got the towels in the back of a load of cars and they phoned up a municipal swimming bars on a Wednesday night. And they would stay open late for us. We cavalcade across town and I was baptized that night. Um, And back to the house for a prayer meeting and they laid hands, you know, virtually pummeled me to speak in tongues and all that stuff. But anyway, they said your life will never be the same again. And as a point of fact, my life was never the same again. That is that's that's incredible that's absolutely incredible and you're you mentioned there how you you got the sense that god was almost weaving through yeah. your whole life do you think that encourages you then to as you do what you do now that people are being encouraged and you're actually being part of the weaving through of other people's lives exactly so you know there are there there is this burden on the on the missionally minded rightly that they need to make an impact but that's like saying, that's like, that's like grabbing the ball out of God's hands and saying, I'll score this try for you. Mm-hmm. I'll, shoot, I'll shoot this goal for you. Give me the ball. I'll do it. And the Lord lets you take the ball out of his hands mm-hmm. until you make a mess of it, until you don't get the results you thought you were going to do under your own steam. And then he, he takes the ball back and you've got to remember it's his ball, <laughs> his ball, his rules, his game. You've been invited to be a participant, play your part, but have faith that he's not taking a day off. You know, I have low days, bad days, better days, whatever. God don't take no days off, not in my lifetime. Um, he's there and just got to have confidence in that. So, yeah, there's this emphasis of you've got to go out and save souls, got to go out and save souls. You ain't saving nobody. God saves souls. You go and be an instrument in his hands and trust him with his world with his people with his future uh, our next choice is the hymn lord of all hopefulness what's the the meaning for the song for you Charles? this is a hymn that has what feels to me like quite an um if you grew up with english folk music it sounds it can be sung very much in um in that style of english folk music it's quite modern the but it has resonances from ancient hymns um i don't know much about it technically but we sang it in our school assemblies and it connects me in many ways with um a part of my childhood which like i've said to you as i get older becomes more important to me and that was the christian elements of my schooling mm-hmm. 